Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. And if you want to join, all you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. 
I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Is At The Helm, from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011, 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar. And you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Savage Nation podcast. Today we talk about Dr. Anthony Fauci's greatest scandal, greater than the vaccine scandal in a way. Uh, I don't know what's greater anymore with this guy. And we live in such perverted times. In any other time, this man would have been fired a long time ago. Way back during the AIDS epidemic, I knew who this weasel was. And we have a great interview today with a great man from the group that exposed the torture of puppies and chimpanzees in the NIH. But before we get to that, I want to tell you a personal story today on the Savage Nation podcast, and it's my own story of how I lost a fellowship in graduate school because I refused to kill lab animals. And so I searched through my handwritten journals from 1968, and I have a note which says the following, why I left pharmacology and shifted to botany in the next six pages. And it starts like this, November 22nd, 1968. Author's note, the next page is described why I left pharmacology and shifted to botany. Confronted myself today on basic question. The methodical slaughter of docile, almost peaceful laboratory white rats has not been a good thing sitting on my chest. So for six to eight weeks, I drifted around this issue. Caring for Dr. C's laboratory animals, collecting urine and feces, a disgusting task, but not participating in the slaughter of these innocent animals. This past Tuesday was my day. As part of my directed research project, I necessarily participated in the methodical anesthetizing and then operating on a rat. This after declaring myself opposed to the killing of animals. And so today, my nature was dominated by the path pacifist. Declare myself unwilling to partake in this animal work at the more than likely risk of finding myself without a thesis, without a professor, without a department of study, and without likelihood of a master's degree. Here I stand. Let me pause right here. I went into another field, which was ethnobotany, and earned a master's in botany, ethnobotany, it was published at Harvard University in its entirety. Those of you in academia know what that means. I then got another master's degree along the way, then a PhD at Berkeley in a combined field. I'll continue with the animal story. This decision also cost me approximately $700 in assistance for the petty cleaning of cages and scrubbing dishes. And so I did not compromise my beliefs, as they say. 
how could I do, as Dr. B suggested, finish up my animal work this year, get the degree, and then never do animal work again? Well, I said, that is not good. I must quit now or forever be like Lyndon Baines Johnson, who realizes he has committed an inhumane act, but, quote, finishes up, lest he lose face. I left the neon lights of the school library with a burning headache, first migraine in 10 years. Was this confrontation too heavy a burden for me? Feeling much relieved and healthy again, Jay and I are going to a performance of the works of Mark Twain and the story, and that was in 1968. I think that concludes it. So I lost my fellowship, and I had to find a new department. Oh, look at this. 12468. 121268. Student challenges Black Students Union to debate. Isn't that interesting? UH graduate student Michael Weiner has challenged the entire Black Students Union to a debate. Weiner says he wants to prove that their stand is completely without logic. Their stand borders on the absurd or the irrational, Weiner said. If we allowed every student of a particular race into a college, the university would disintegrate. Oh, really? Look what's happened to the universities today. You have these people like this one at Rutgers calling whites raggedy and violent and said they had to be knocked out and eliminated. This is what's happened now. Oh, I was a little ahead of my time, wasn't I? Weiner said he feels the debate would bring the irrationality of the black students union out into the open. Of course they'll think I'm a racist, but I'm not, Weiner said. I dislike everybody equally. He said he hopes to have a really honest debate, and if they don't respond, I have won by forfeit. The bearded zoology student said he feels they are taking their cause to the wrong audience. If they are true revolutionaries, they're fighting against the wrong people. University people are generally liberal and sympathetic. The university is a sanctuary. They should be out on the streets, he said. Weiner said the debate could be held in Hemingway Hall, perhaps before Christmas. 12, 12, 68. Just shows you what's in my journals. And so I lost my fellowship. We had no money. I didn't know what to do. And I wandered around the hospital, Leahi Hospital, and wound up in the basement and saw jars of plants. I didn't know what they were. And I went into the laboratory down there and I talked to a very fine professor, a wonderful man, who um, accepted me into his department after I quit and had no money. And Dr. N has agreed to help me out of the spot I am in with Dr. C by assuming responsibility for grading me in directed research. He says, as of right now, you ought to devote six hours a week to library research on Hawaiian medicinal plants with a wink. He is one of the true humans in this department. Tomorrow, I will try to see chairman of zoology department regarding matriculation towards an MS in zoology with Dr. N as my advisor. Well, I'm matriculated in ethnobotany. And by the way, the doctor who was killing the lab rats and took away my fellowship because I wouldn't kill them, died the next year of brain cancer. Poor man. Oh, what else is in here? 300 a month. I don't think you need to hear all of this. It's about how little we were living on at the time. And I wouldn't kill the animals, so I lost my fellowship. And I wandered into botany, and I went into ethnobotany and did some great work. And the point is, as my mother would say, Everything happens for a reason. Trust in God. But above all, do what you think is right, or else it's not worth doing at all. I'm Michael Savage, back in a minute on the Michael Savage podcast, where we're discussing the slaughter and torture of innocent beagle puppies in Dr. Fauci's NIH lab. And as you will learn, there is no longer any reason whatsoever to be doing animal studies at all 
This is an antiquated thing that makes billions of dollars a year, as you will learn in the interview. We have computer chips today that have been designed to contain all of the coded information of human organs. For example, there's a computer chip with all the coded information of a kidney, all the coded information of a human brain, etc., and so on. And therefore, the computer chip could be used in experiments instead of innocent laboratory animals. But there's $20 billion a year, as you will learn, on the slaughter and torture of animals, and only sadists are in that business. This is the Savage Nation podcast. If you're an animal lover, please share this podcast with everyone and anyone who feels the way you do. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Welcome to the Savage Nation podcast. We're going to talk about a topic near and dear to my heart, which is the torture of innocent animals. Let me be very clear. I once lost a graduate fellowship because I refused to kill lab animals. People don't know this. I was in grad school. I had no money. I was $300 a month as a fellowship in a pharmacology lab. And uh, one of the jobs was to take care of lab rats. Well, I took care of them. I hated cleaning the, the, the rat droppings. I heard my deceased father talking to me saying, all this education to clean rats. I said to my deceased father, that's what I'm doing, Dad. That's what you have to do. Well, okay, I did that. Then the day came. I saw other people euthanizing these animals, holding them and putting a needle in the back of their head, pithing their brain. And I, it really got me sick because some of them looked like they were enjoying it. And I started to see sadism in this animal laboratory. And so the day came that the professor, whose name I will not mention, I said to him, I said, Professor, um, see, I, I just cannot kill these animals. I said, it's just against my, my nature. I don't want to do it. He said, well, you have a choice. Either you euthanize the animals or you're fired. You'll have no money and nothing, and you can leave the laboratory. I said, I'll take the ladder, and I left, and I had nothing. Interestingly enough, fate took me down the hall and downstairs in that hospital, and I wound up doing ethnobotany because I didn't have to kill lab animals. That's how my career began in collecting medicinal plants. I didn't have to kill, kill the animals. So now we come to today, and we see these horrible pictures of dogs and monkeys being tortured when I know, and as you're going to hear from our guest, Justin Goodman, in a moment, that this torture is totally unnecessary. You don't even need to use lab animals anymore. You can use computer models, as far as I can tell and have read this. And a lot of the people in this business are absolute sadists. It's a nightmare. So they're calling it BeagleGate, which is the use of taxpayer money to fund cruel torture of beagles for drug research. And with us today on the Savage Nation podcast is Justin Goodman, the vice president of advocacy and public policy at White Coat Waste Project. Now, Mr. Goodman's team was the first to expose and listen to this and end U.S. taxpayer funding from Dr. Fauci's NIH to the Wuhan lab and many other historic firsts. This is a great group. They've led high profile, successful grassroots campaigns to expose and find and defund wasteful and cruel animal experiments. Justin is a great guy. He joins us now on the Savage Nation. His website is whitecoatwaste.org. We're going to talk about this animal cruelty. We're going to talk about the Wuhan lab. And behind it all, I'm afraid, is the devil incarnate, Dr. Fauci. But we won't get there right away. Mr. Goodman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being with us about BeagleGate. Thanks for having me. 
Now, was I, am I at all correct in saying that these experiments are no longer necessary? This animal experimental model is, is, is antiquated? No, you're absolutely right. The, the National Institutes okay. of Health, Fauci's own agency, says right on its website that nine out of ten drugs that pass animal tests fail in humans because they don't work or they're dangerous. Huh. It's incredibly inefficient, incredibly wasteful, incredibly outdated, and obviously incredibly cruel. Huh. Wow. So why are these experiments uh, permitted to go on? Is just because that's the way it's been done? Yeah, institutional inertia, and it's big business. The National Institutes of Health has a $40 billion a year budget, and about half of that budget, that the NIH estimates about 47%, so about $20 billion is being spent on animal testing. Our tax Oh, dollars. my God. $20 yeah. billion a year on, on poor animals being taught. You know, when I saw the pictures you, you released, I've seen everything, and I'm generally immune to most horror at this point in my career. When I saw the beagles tied in the cage with their paws out, I didn't know what to do. I was my brain overloaded. I literally wanted to go in that laboratory and kill somebody for torturing those poor little dogs. What is this about putting their faces, excuse me, into a cage with insects to watch their faces being eaten alive by by some kind of bug? Yeah, so those experiments, they were looking, the NIH is now disputing that it funded those, even though the paper that they were published in says the NIH funded them. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Huh. Um, but in those experiments, they, they were comparing whether sandflies preferred to feed off of dogs who were infected with the parasite versus healthy dogs. Oh and what they did was they starved those flies so they were voraciously hungry. And then they set them loose on the dogs and they used their heads specifically because it's easy to access blood in their ears. The flies oh, prefer oh. that. Oh, God. So do the, didn't I read that they, that they cut the vocal cords of the dogs so they couldn't even cry out? Is that true? Yeah, yeah in a separate experiment that we exposed, uh, that Anthony Fauci's division, not only, it didn't just fund it at, some foreign, you know, at a foreign lab or a lab outside of the NIH, they commissioned it for themselves. Uh, 44 beagle puppies who were six to eight months old were purchased. They were, uh, they had cordectomies, which is the fancy term for being debarked. They had their vocal cords cut out so they can't make noise in the laboratory. Then they took these 44 puppies and repeatedly force fed them ex an experimental drug and injected them with an experimental drug and then killed them. And they said they did it for the ostensible purpose of getting FDA approval for this FDA approval for this experimental drug, even though the FDA has said itself that it does not require testing on dogs. You know, I'm an animal lover and we support animal groups. And I've seen the live cages of dogs in China, which they eat a lot. You know, they, they kill them and eat them. And keep This actually is a, several stages beyond that. Does Fauci know this is going on, um, Mr. Goodman? So that's a good question. Um, we exposed back in 2016 that in his own laboratory at the NIH in Maryland, I'm, I'm in D.C., so right here in the Beltway, in his own laboratory, they had dogs and they were uh, feeding them to sand flies. They were strapping capsules full of these infected flies to beagle puppies in Fauci's lab that he runs here in the, in the Beltway. Um, so I think he is likely aware that his agency is testing on dogs. Whether he knows about all the specific experiments, I can't say, but I do know that we've gotten records through the Freedom of Information Act that shows he's been on email strings about our work more broadly 
in our efforts to expose uh, experiments on monkeys, for example, at the NIH. Well, since you've done this, and this, since this came out, the White Coast White Coat Waste Project, these these who got these these videos out of those labs? You can't say, or it's well. Known. Oh no! Well, we we get a lot of it through FOIA. I mean, you'd be surprised. These experimenters, they uh, I think they you know you you called them sadists earlier. I think they don't. It doesn't even occur to them sometimes that the public not only would be upset to see what they're doing, but that the public has access to these documents. You mean there's, they, they actually post these documents for people to see? No, they, they take videos and they keep libraries of videos of them torturing animals. Oh. And, and then we're able to get them through the Freedom of Information Act. So we've got videos last year that we released at the beginning of last year. And this is one of the, the um, email strings we know Fauci was looped in on where they were giving monkeys brain damage to destroy the part of their brain that controls fear and then scaring them with fake snakes and uh, rubber spiders. And, you know, you have some of these staffers you can see in the video, they're laughing. Um, Well, what is the video? I saw some men wearing like black suits, it looked like, throwing the beagle puppies into a cage like they were a bag of garbage. Oh, um, I don't know exactly the uh, that particular footage you're referring to, but we get footage through a variety of different ways. I mean, we've gotten footage through whistleblowers. We get footage through the Freedom of Information Act. Sometimes, like the photo you were describing of the beagles in the cages with the flies, that was published in a paper that was publicly available that we've just, you know, we able we were able to connect the dots and find. Um, we've even been physically gone outside of laboratories and been, you know, lucky is not the right word, but we've been able to see inside and get pictures of dogs in cages. Um, Well, I remember back in the 60s when I was, uh, as I said, in the early years of pharmacology, when I quit because I wouldn't even kill lab rats, what they were doing to uh, monkeys. And I raised the issue with some of the sadistic doctors at the time. I said, how could you do that? And they would say things like, they don't even feel it. It's just an automatic response. Things like that. These people were almost, I don't know if the word is sociopathic because it applies to animals. Psychopathic in the sense that they think an animal has no feelings. And I've read this stuff going all the way back to Alfred Russell Wallace, the animal behavior, the, actually the great naturalist. When they, it was being argued in that century that animals had no feelings. Then Darwin came along with his book, which I still have in my collection, of the expression of emotions in man and other animals. I don't know if you've ever seen that one, but Darwin Darwin was one of the first to prove in modern times, so to speak, that animals do in fact have feelings. Because before that, it was thought animals had no feelings. Well, this is, you know, this is the, the part of this that's so difficult to reconcile, is that the experimenters acknowledge that, you know, the monkeys and the dogs make good models because they're, you know, they say they're similar enough to us to make good models for research, Uh, but then they ignore the moral implications of those similarities, right? They say, yeah, it doesn't matter that they can feel and think and and suffer. Uh, We're going to treat them like disposable equipment. Well, you know, Mr. Goodman, in my plant collecting days, I once went into a slaughterhouse in Fiji and it's much less mechanized than it is here. It's done animal by animal. And when I watch that cow being put down the chute, crying out, I, I can't I can't even talk about it. Yeah. It was so horrible to watch. The other animals knew that it was going to die. Their friend, the cow, 
And the cow that was being ripped to shreds just before it was shot in the head with the gun screamed out to his friends. I watched the animals crap all over themselves out of fear. It shook me to my bone, down to my core. So let's put aside the meat eating for a minute. Let's talk about men like Fauci and the doctors and scientists, if you want to call them that, the Mengele's of our time. You know, if we let this kind of inhumanity go on towards animals, it's not too far a step to other humans. That's something we have to remember, is that the people who can torture a beagle or a monkey with impunity and feel nothing but pleasure, and probably they feel pleasure, or who would take that job? An ordinary man wouldn't, an ordinary person wouldn't take that job. There has to be something wrong with a person to want to kill an animal like that and torture it. How far would it be to have them do that to human beings? I mean, it's, it's, it's a rhetorical question. It's not too hard a step to see man's inhumanity to man, mimicking that of man's inhumanity to so-called lower animals, correct? No, absolutely not. I mean, if you look at serial killers, a lot of them get their starts torturing animals. Uh, and, I, you know, you see what these people are doing to animals, and they're doing it to advance their careers, and they're doing it for money. Uh, you know, and the kicker to all of this is, you know, cosmetics testing on animals was an issue for a long time. That's basically been resolved. That's barely happening anymore. Yo, wait, wait. That's an important one. I remember it became such a scandal of hurting the animal's eyes, blah, blah, blah. So it was a scandal and the, and the, and the testing companies for the cosmetics stopped it. Uh, I think they went to computer models or whatever they went to. Why can't the same thing apply to all these other uh, drug tests? They, it could, couldn't it? It can. The problem is, is there's so much money involved and you have people who don't care to uh, to modernize what they're doing. They'd rather just keep, you know, there's no there's no incentive with taxpayer funded research. There's no incentive to innovate or to solve a problem because the longer the problem exists, the more money you're going to get. The White Coat Waste Project claimed that the agency, the NIH, spent one point six eight million dollars in taxpayer funds on drug tests on 44 poor beagle puppies. And what was this experiment for, by the way, to see if they could take the pain of a sand fly? No, that. No. So this was we've exposed now five. We exposed another one today that I'll talk about. Um, But this was to test an experimental drug. And we don't know exactly what the drug was because the documents were heavily redacted. Um, But this was for standard toxicity testing on a drug, which is something you can absolutely do without torturing a single animal, dog or otherwise. Um, you know, the, the problem is, is the FDA has outdated regulations and they talk out of both sides of their mouth. On one hand, they say we don't mandate dog testing. And on the other hand, they strongly encourage, in some cases, dog testing. Um, and we have a, a piece of legislation called the Alternatives to Animals for Regulatory Fairness Act, ARF, A-A-R-F, the ARF Act. And if you go to cutfdaredtape.org, you can read up more about that. But this bill would modernize regulations so that companies, you know, these drug companies, They don't care about animal testing. They're interested in getting a drug to market as quickly and cheaply as possible. And animal testing is very slow. It's very inefficient. It's misleading and it's expensive. So if they can use something other than testing on animals, they want to do that. And the problem is, is the FDA often doesn't let them. And it often punishes companies that want to avoid animal testing by not letting them uh, get their drug into human trials. But why? Why? Why do they push it towards animal models? What's because that's what they've been because that's what they've been doing forever. And they they'd rather stay with what they're comfortable with than embracing new technologies that are actually going to be more effective and efficient. And it's going to get more drugs more quickly to humans and 
more and, and they're going to be safer. And we're going to because we're going to base it on things like you mentioned, like computer models, like things. There's things called organs on a chip now, Michael, that are thumb sized, fully functioning miniature human organs. And you can model diseases in them. You can huh. test drugs wow. uh, and completely ethically sourced from human cells. They're being developed at Harvard and, you know, other big institutions. Um, so the technology is out there. It just isn't being embraced because there's so much more money in animal testing. We'll be right back on the Savage Nation podcast. The Savage Nation is savage on demand. Speaking with Justin Goodman who's doing the work of God as far as I'm concerned. This is Angel's work here at White Coast Waste Project. And um, I'm going to give some more contacts for, for this in a minute on the show. It's uh, The website is uh, whitecoatwaste.org, correct? That's, that's right. So before we go back to this again, how, how involved is Fauci in this? Look, I've got to be very clear and lay my cards on the table. I've been around a long time. I was opposed to Fauci in the 1980s during the AIDS epidemic because I watched what was going on with the AZT and the AZT testing. I didn't trust him at that time, even though I wasn't in the radio. I wasn't in the media at all. I was a grad student and whatever I was doing, I was working for companies. Fauci's been around for over 40 years. It's unheard of for a bureaucrat to last this long. There used to be a mandatory retirement in the federal government. And this man has now become center stage where half of America hates him, half of America loves him, if it's even 50-50 anymore. And I don't want to get into the vaccine discussion as much as, who the hell is this guy that he has so much power? How has he stayed in this prominent position so long? And what are his ties, if any, to the pharmaceutical industry, if any? You know, it's funny that you mentioned the 80s, because that's, from, from, from my perspective, being concerned with animal testing, and especially funded by taxpayers, um, that's where the, the, he got started. I mean, it, back in the eighties, it was, you know, it was Anthony Fauci who was promoting infecting chimpanzees, our closest living relatives, infecting chimpanzees with HIV, telling oh. people this was going to be the silver bullet cure for AIDS. And guess what? Chimps don't get AIDS. They get HIV. They don't get sick. They don't get AIDS. And we ended up with thousands of chimps locked in laboratories because Fauci was promoting it so heavily. Uh, oh then you God. have post nine 11, where he starts getting a windfall from, of taxpayer money because he says he's going to help, you know, do biodefense work and prevent a biological attack, which he hasn't done. Um, but there's been a windfall at his agency because of it. So, I, you know, he's abused his authority for a long time to, to scare Congress and scare the public into just feeding the beast. Yeah, and, and believe me, I, I, caught up with him. I, it's caught up with him to a certain extent. But after Beaglegate... Has anything changed? Come on. This was a big story when it broke the last week. I've seen it all over some of the news channels. Our mainstream media won't touch it, but I've seen it on Newsmax TV, where I appear several times a week. I've seen it on Fox News. Am I correct? Yes, sir. Where else have you gotten any major media exposure for these animal torture experiments? It's funny you say that. I mean, we've gotten a ton of coverage in center-right media. The only uh, you know establishment media that covered it was the Washington Post ran a column defending 
Fauci's dog torture. <laughs> of course. It's crazy. Everything they do is upside down lately. I don't know who's in these places that have no conscience or whatever. So there's been no change since you've exposed this. There's been no fallout from your findings. There's no talk of changing this kind of torture. Correct? Well, I wouldn't say that. You know, we've been able to unite a bipartisan group of members of Congress to take on Fauci on this issue. And I think it's the, you know, the only issue where you have the Democrats and Republicans uniting to criticize Fauci about anything. So that's a step in the right direction. But what about also, what about PETA? Have they joined you? Um, PETA has been vocal in criticizing Fauci and Francis Collins for allowing this to happen. Absolutely. OK, so, so they're is, not you know, they're not like, taking they're not taking a, a, a standard because if the center right is for it, we're against it. They're they're joining you on this. Outright. Yeah. And I yeah. And I think, you know, that's what's nice. And I mean, that's our reason for existence, Michael, is to, you know, we like to say we unite liberty lovers and animal lovers is, mm. you know, we mm. do we do polling. And first of all, Pew Research, who obviously we're not paying, they're independent. Their polling shows that a majority of, of Americans oppose animal testing. Yeah, we do. Yes. Spe- we do specific polling. Uh, on our issues, we commission polling every month, and um, an overwhelming majority of taxpayers want to defund Anthony Fauci. More Democrats than Republicans want to defund these dog tests. Wow! Um, so wow. this is an issue that really is uniting people. And unfortunately, I think the media, the you know the the liberal media, has unfortunately they are so in love with Anthony Fauci that. They're not even heeding what their, you know, what their readers and listeners want to see, which is some criticism of this guy for something. Something. So in other words, they're afraid if he's allowed to be criticized for animal torture that went on under his nose, so to speak, then it would open up the floodgates to even question him about his vaccine mandates and things of that nature. We need to take a quick break. We'll be right back on the Savage Nation podcast. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Okay, let's move to your organization. We're speaking again with Justin Goodman, VP of Advocacy and Public Policy at White Coat Waste Project. And we're now going to move on to the exposure by your group of U.S. taxpayer funding from Dr. Fauci's NIH to the Wuhan lab. That's an amazing story. Is it true that Fauci personally was involved in this funding of this uh, ghoulish experiment to increase these uh, Frankenstein viruses in the Wuhan lab lab? It's true that he's been a major cheerleader of this, you know, every, and a lot of people now know the term gain of function research, supercharging yeah. viruses. Right. Um, okay. Supercharging viruses. You take a virus and you supercharge it to make it even more virulent. Okay. Yep. Yep. And, and, more, and more contagious. Exactly. So he's, he and Francis Collins, the head of the NIH, uh, back in 2011, they wrote an op-ed in, you know, in, in the Washington Post promoting gain of function research. Fauci has been a huge cheerleader of this area of research for a long time. Now, I don't know if he personally approved the original grant that went to the Wuhan Institute of Virology through EcoHealth Alliance, the, the federal co- the contractor that sent the money there. Um, mm-hmm. What we exposed last year in April was we were looking at taxpayer funding being spent overseas on animal testing. 
and we identified 27 labs in China that are eligible to get NIH money, mm. one of them being mm. the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And we then triangulated to that grant, this grant that was specifically aimed at studying coronaviruses uh, that were harvested from bats. Uh, we now know that this is at the center of the COVID origin story, that they were in this laboratory. They were going out into the wild, collecting coronavirus infected rat, uh, bats, isolating the viruses and then manipulating them. And at le- in at least one case, we know that they manipulated a virus to be 10,000 times stronger than the natural virus. And in their experiments with humanized mice, it made the mice much sicker. 10,000 times stronger, more lethal than original? Yes. And they were supposed to... This is insanity. It's like creating a hydrogen bomb out out of a stick of dynamite. That's exactly right. And that's why scientists for so long have been saying that the the costs outweigh the benefits of this research and that they've been warning for decades it's going to cause a pandemic. And here we are. They've tested 80,000, over 80,000 animals around the Wuhan area. They haven't found a single animal that is uh, that has this virus. So the idea that this emerged from naturally from from animals in a wet market or something uh, uh, is is there's no evidence for that. All right. So but it didn't involve out of nature. This was man made. It was a Frankenstein virus made in a medical, excuse me, a military medical laboratory to kill foreign enemies, foreign populations. And, and it, it obviously escaped the lab. See, I don't go with the theory that they released it on purpose. I, I, I even argued against it way back in the beginning, saying, why would they infect their own population to weaken the world, the world's a- economy? It doesn't make any sense. So I do believe it was. It's something we can't prove either way, but it would make logical sense to me. This just escaped as you would expect. It might escape if it's so potent that it's going to escape, you know, on its own, so to speak, by accident. Yeah. Lab accidents are very common. Uh, there's hundreds of them every year. There's hundreds of that. And some of them are minor and some of them are major. And we've had SARS lab accidents in China and the U.S. that resulted from lab leaks. Um, and you wouldn't know it. You know, if, if one of these viruses got out in the moment, you would not know it. You mm. wouldn't know it until it's too late. And that's what a lot of people believe happened in uh, in Wuhan. And I agree with you. I don't think it was intentional. I think it was mm. an accident uh, that these people were doing something that was too, you know, really shouldn't have been done. In taking these viruses and making them more dangerous to humans. And then this is what you risk is creating a global pandemic. And I think. Again, we don't have direct evidence for any particular origin at this point, but the circumstantial evidence with sick researchers at the U- at the Wuhan lab in November of 2019, mm-hmm. uh, the virus spreading at the Wuhan games, the Wuhan mm-hmm. games, um, and of course the fact that the Chinese have been completely uncooperative, uh, and you have EcoHealth Alliance, the U.S. contractor, that until this week was refusing to cooperate and provide any data to the oh, national. Boy. And they've got to be subpoenaed. We got to know what the 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 one U.S. organization that was working in this lab. We got to know what they knew and when they knew it. Well, let's talk about the the COVID nineteen virus for a minute, or SARS COVID two, whatever you want to call it. I've seen it described in so many different ways. It seems to be somewhat abated, but then we see so called breakthrough cases in fully vaccinated people. Then we keep hearing about variants, and everyone. Anyone who knows anything about basic biology knows that there's always going to be variants. And then you've got the, the drug companies creating a so-called booster for every variant, which means you should take one every year for the rest of your life. So their profits keep going up and up and up. 
when in fact we know after a certain point natural immunity will be the the, the way to control the virus what is your prog- your prognosis of the uh, the SARS covid virus in in the human populations uh, i'm not a public health expert or a doctor so i i can't say i wish i knew if i i think if i knew michael i'd be rich um but I, no no you'd probably be a sadist <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah i mean I, w- I wish i knew i don't know i mean i think you know we're every day we're getting mixed messages about these things okay i'll be right back on the savage nation podcast home of borders language culture the savage nation Justin Goodman, again, with an amazing organization, WhiteCoatWaste.org. Before we move on and, and kind of wrap it up uh, about Puppygate and the torture of animals such as chimpanzees and stuff and uh, things of that nature, how do you get your funding for your incredible organization? How does White Coat Waste derive its funds? Uh, the overwhelming majority of our money comes from grassroots donors. We do oh. Bernie-style fundraising. You know, five, ten, twenty dollar small dollar donations, thousands of them every year from folks who are, you know, listening to the show. How do we do it? How do how do people listening and I know many will want to jo- they go to whitecoatwaste.org? Yep, just visit whitecoatwaste.org. You can uh, make donations there, you can sign up for our mailing list, and if you visit at whitecoatwaste on any social media platform, you can find us there too to keep up with news about uh, what's happening with Beelgate, what's happening in Wuhan and our other campaigns. Justin, how did you get into this field? Because this is not an ordinary job. How long have you been working on protecting animals? Let's put it to you that way. So I've been doing this for 16 years full time, working to end taxpayer funded animal tests. And Mm. I got into it organically. I got to uh, grad school at the University of Connecticut. And I heard about a monkey lab on campus. And I'd never done any activism or investigations or anything like that, but I just got a bug that I was going to, I was going to shut this thing down. It just seemed wrong. It just seemed wrong that it was happening, that it was 20, Mm. I guess it was the 21st century at this time. It still was, it was a long time ago, but it was just seemed like it shouldn't have been happening. So I uh, started, I learned how to use the freedom of information act. I learned how to use all these different government databases and what my little student group exposed were all these violations of the law. They were taking these monkeys, drilling in their heads, destroying the parts of their brains that controlled their eyes. In some cases, they yanked these monkeys by the neck so hard to move them around, their eyes bled. And this was in their documents. And the federal inspectors had missed this stuff. The oversight committees had missed it. Um, But fast forward two years, we shut this lab down. And I was in a a master's program going on to get a PhD. And I thought, you know, my my heart's really in activism. It's not in academia. Uh, so I left and started doing this full time. And uh, that's how I got my start. And actually, you know, it was interesting to hear your story at the beginning of this episode, because uh, our president and founder, Anthony Bellotti, who's my boss, a good friend of mine as well. He the reason he started this organization is because when he was applying to uh, colleges, he wanted to go in a pre-med track. So he got a job in a New York hospital uh, and got assigned to an animal laboratory. <laughs> and what he saw was so horrific that he quit after a few weeks and said to himself he was going to make it his life's work to do this. He went into Republican political consulting for for years. And then once he had a, you know, a, a toolbox of skills, 
he started White Coat Waste Project and thought, you know, the way to do this is not to tax and ban everything. It's to work on defunding these programs so they right. can get started in the first place. Justin, how what's the budget for your organization per year? I must, it must be public, so I wouldn't want to ask you something you don't want to talk about. It can't be very high. No, uh, we've, you know, we've been growing a lot over the last few years, but our budget is about two and a half million dollars. Total everything. Total everything. Well, you're not a rich man. You didn't cash in on this. You didn't do this to become wealthy. Um, I, I mean, I wish you were wealthy. I have nothing against <laughs> wealth. But, but you're not in a, in a wealth business. You're not in a business for self-aggrandizement or greed. You're doing, in my opinion, God's work. And I'm going to do everything I can to expose what you're doing and see if I can motivate my listeners to send you some money. I know I'm going to make a contribution, but I'm not going to say how much right now. My family, <laughs> my family's extremely interested in, in animal rights and stuff. I'll try to motivate them. I, I just don't have enough kind words to give you for what you're doing. Have you ever had any people threaten you because of what you're doing, the, the way you're exposing? Have you had people say you better not kiddo or something like that? Um, not really. I mean, we, you know, our uh, our info account, our you know, general inbox at White Coat gets uh, gets strange emails like that from time to time, criticizing us or mm. you know what have you. But we, you know, we don't take that stuff seriously. Wow. Uh, wow. I, you know, the thing <laughs> I worry think about things like the Chinese hacking my, you know, hacking our network or something because we've been so critical of the Wuhan lab. Oh yeah, the Wuhan lab. Yeah, I'm saying. Well, that's one of the reasons I asked the question. I mean, they're dangerous people. Uh, in the in the Chinese military, Justin Goodman, Vice President at the White Coat Waste Project. Again, folks, if you're listening to this podcast, don't be cheap. I want you to make a contribution. I'm starting to sound like a rabbi on on Rosh Hashanah now. Raising money, <laughs> send money to White Coat West, WhiteCoatWaste.org, and send as much as you can because this group is a great group. They're the ones who exposed Beaglegate, the drug testing on, on, on poor little innocent puppies, and of course the tie to your dear friend, who we all love so much, Dr. Anthony or Tony Fauci. Any final words, Justin? No, just uh, it's been an honor to be on, and we're grateful for all your support and uh, for your listeners' support, and happy to come back anytime. Well, I'm going to have you back because I'm going to make these people give you money or they're not going to come back into this temple ever again. <laughs> thanks justin i'm sorry thanks mike thank, thank you very much i'm so worked up over this i don't know if i'm going to sleep very well tonight justin you uh, know when you were describing what was done to the dogs i i started to shake because there's almost nowhere your brain can go yeah there's no there's no logical place to go there's no safe place to hide in your head when you think of that and then you think of human experiments on yeah. living human beings, such as done by the Japanese. Uh, we should talk about that one day. I did this on my radio show years ago of the in the Manchuria where they tested live. Tests were done mainly on Chinese, but also Australian and uh, New Zealand troops that have been captured. I think it was by the Japanese troops. It was called uh, something 441. Do you remember any of you recall any of this? This is an amazing uh -huh. story. No, I don't. I'm familiar with some of the human experimentation in the U.S., but I don't know if this one. Th this was live experiments on troops that were captured and without anesthesia. They were operated on and things of that nature. It was done in Manchuria by Japanese so-called doctors in World War II. And what I'm bringing that up is not to defame Japanese people today. 
But to say that the step from torturing animals under the guise of science is not too far a step to torturing humans under the guise of science, as we saw not only in Nazi Germany, but also uh, in, in, in this laboratory in Manchuria being conducted by the Japanese, and God knows it's probably gone on in other places as well. And so I guess I can conclude by saying humanity is humanity, kindness is kindness, and it has to start somewhere, and it may as well start with, with the animals. And I, again, want to close by saying thank you for your great work. Thank you, Michael. Now, look, today's podcast and the topic is really important on many levels. Not only is protecting these innocent animals from needless torture and death the morally right thing to do, I want you to think of the billions of dollars being wasted on these needless, torturous experiments. It's sick. Please go to whitecoatwaste.org to read more and to help out if you can. I don't get any money from it. I'm not looking for any money from it. They need the money to stop this animal abuse and torture. Whitecoatwaste.org. Thank you very, very much. I'm Michael Savage. Thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed and learned something from it. And I want to remind you of something that I think is important for you to know. We have over 280 Savage Nation podcast episodes available to you absolutely free. I'll say that again. You can go back into this vast library of over 280 episodes and listen to any one of them or several of them at your leisure. So you never have to be without the Savage Nation. Thank you very much for listening.